Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. I want to quickly get into the Word of God. I knew, I know this is probably the longest we've gone, but I thought I felt it was necessary. So I'm going to go for the next uh, 25 or 30 minutes. Um, I believe that this Word will bless you. Um, as it relates to the season that we're in, both nationally, internationally, and as it relates to our personal lives. Um, I want you to quickly uh, get your Bible, and I want you to go to Exodus chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 1 through 14, and then we will conclude. Um, I like to hold up my Bible as it is, uh, as of late, has been my custom. And I like to declare, uh, as you, if you don't already know, um, uh, over our hearts and over our spirit, man, before we read the Word of God. And it says this uh, in our declaration. Say, say it with me. This is the infallible and inerrant Word of God. Today, I open up my heart, mind, spirit, and soul to receive from its truths. God, I thank you that fruit will abound to every area of my life as a result of reading, hearing, and applying your word to my everyday life in Jesus' name. Exodus chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, and it says this, Now these are the names of the children of Israel, speaking of Israel, which came into Egypt, every man and his Household came with Jacob, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin. I didn't, I didn't intend for that to happen. Dan, Neptali, Gad, Asher, and all those souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were 70 souls, for Joseph was in Egypt already. Verse 6, and Joseph died and all his brethren, and all that generation, and the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceedingly and mighty. And the land was filled with them. Now those, excuse me, now there rose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. And it came to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us. And so get them up out of the land. Therefore, verse 11, they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens and they built for Pharaoh treasured cities, Pitom and Ramesses, verse 12. But the more they afflicted them, everybody say, the more they afflicted them. The more they multiplied and grew. Sounds like the 1990s animation called Bebe Kids. We don't die, we multiply. There's not too many people who obviously remember that. How many remember that? But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were grieved because of the children of Israel. Verse 13, and the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. 
Last verse, verse 14, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage and mortar, in other words, building bricks and brick and all manner of service in the field, all their service wherein they made them serve was with vigor. How many were here last week? So last week I started a mini series. I know you're gonna laugh if you didn't get a chance to hear it. Uh, it was called Promises and Pickles. Everybody say promises and pickles. I still laugh, you know, hearing it out loud. I kind of came, came up with it off of a whim. And this was, uh, this, I started with the story of Joseph and how Joseph was thrown into a pit. But before he was thrown into that pit and sold into slavery and he went to prison and all these things happened to him, something happened to Joseph when he was just a little boy. And what happened was, is one night he was sleeping and God gave Joseph a dream. Everybody say a dream. And this dream was a prophetic dream. And in this dream, Joseph's siblings and his mother and his father were bowing down to Joseph. And God was simply saying prophetically that there's going to come a day when you are not going to be just the youngest of your household, but you are going to be the one who has served and you're going to be, be a leader over this house. But what happened shortly after this promise was made is a pickle happens. Everybody say pickle. Joseph was thrown into a pickle jar that I call the pit, that the Bible calls the pit. So before anything great generally happens in your life that God promise us, promises us, generally it's met with a pickle or a problem because God uses problems and pickles in our lives to promote us, to build our character. Because at the end of the day, as I stated last week, God is more concerned with processing you and creating his likeness and in his image into your life. He wants to weave it into your life. He wants it interwoven. He wants your, your, Christ, your character be, to be like Jesus. He wants you to look like him, talk like him in your conversations, in your conduct. And so God will oftentimes use pickles in your life to promote you ultimately so that your character is ready to handle the promises of God in your life. Can somebody say amen to that? And so that was last week, and I gave a couple of points on what those pickles do in your life to get you ready for the promise. We talked about how pickles will create patience in your life, how there's a process to uh, getting the promises fulfilled uh, in your life. And then you have to have perspective when you're in that waiting season and going through those difficult seasons in your lives before that promise comes to pass. And then also how there is great need for perseverance when you're in that pickle before that promise comes to pass. Because if if you give up too easily or too soon, you will abort that which God has promised you. Look at somebody and say, don't abort the promises of God in your life. So now we move on to this next portion of scripture, which is found in Exodus. We started with Genesis last week and we talked about Joseph. Well, as we were reading that scripture, I don't know if you caught it, but it says, now, all of Joseph's family was in Egypt, but what happened is, is Joseph ended up dying and the new king that was put in place, the new Pharaoh, it says that that Pharaoh did not know Joseph. In other words, he forgot Joseph and he forgot Joseph's God. And so what happened is when Israel stayed in Egypt too long, something happened. That which was a promise, now they begin to end up in bondage. Just let that sink in just for a moment. In other words, what used to be a promise, when you stay in that promise too long, longer than what God would allow or call you to, you can actually end up in bondage. 
Oh, you don't know what I'm talking about? When you stay at a job longer than you probably should have. You're not saying nothing. Or when you stay in a certain dysfunction in your relationship when that thing should be rectified, that thing that was a blessing when it's not worked on, or when you don't move with God in certain seasons forward, you can actually end up in bondage. And this is exactly what happened to the children of Israel. They stayed in the place that God once called them to, but then they missed God because they stayed too long. Does everybody hear what I'm saying? And so one of the first things you have to do when you're in the middle of this pickle before you get to this promised land that God called the children of Israel to but also calls us to, we have to discern the shifting seasons of our lives. Somebody say shifting seasons. And as I just stated just a minute ago, the Israelites were in a place that God had first promised, but when they stayed past their season, they ended up in bondage because they could not discern the voice of the Lord calling them forward into the very new thing that he was calling them to. I recently was speaking this past week with a friend of mine who owns a business. And this person was um, loved what she did for a very long time and, and still loves what she does, but she began to tell me about some of the frustrations she was having in her place of business. As I prodded further and as she discussed things with me a little bit further, she began to tell me that she's working for her company more than she's running it. And if you understand business, you'll understand that type of language. Language. Did you know that you can have a business, but you simply work for the business? You don't work on the business, you work for it. Does everybody hear what I'm saying? So she began to tell me these frustrations, and I began to give some little suggestions here and there on what it looks like uh, working for your company versus working on your company. Uh, there are some amazing friends and, that I have in my life, and he was telling me recently that you can either have a five-foot view or a 30,000-foot view. If you have a five-foot view in where you are, you really can't, you can really can't work on it. You're kind of just working in the thick of it. You only see the problems, and it's hard to work on the problems when you're in the middle, middle of them. Sometimes you have to take a step back and actually work on the problem to rectify the situation. What I'm trying to say is, as we begin to talk further, I begin to suggest, hey, here's what it would look like for you to begin to work on your company. So last week, all week long, she said, you know what? I didn't do a thing for my company as it relates to being hands-on. I ran the operations portion of it. I overseen the employees. I dealt with you know, quality control. I dealt with clientele. And can I tell you how burdenless I feel right now? I feel like a thousand bricks have gone off of my shoulders because now I feel the grace for what I'm doing. Like I feel a newfound love for what I'm doing. And this is exactly what I'm talking about in your life. You have to discern the times and seasons when God is trying to promote you. And if you decide like the children of Israel to stay in something that God once called you to and you miss what he's trying to do, you will be frustrated. And here's how the frustrations begin to manifest themselves. You will no longer have the grace to do what you once used to see as a promise. Does everybody hear what I'm saying to you? You will The thing that you used to have vigor for, that you used to have passion for, the thing that you used to fly out of bed for in the morning, you no longer feel like that. The grace begins to lift in that season of your life. And it's not that God doesn't love you and he's not answering your prayers. The big question is, are you listening to his voice during the shifting season when he's trying to move you from the Egyptian bondage into the promised land? 
because you have a promised land. And when God allows that grace to be lifted off of your life, it's not to get you depressed. It's not to confuse you. It's to provoke you to move on to the next thing that he's trying to do in your and my life. And when you refuse to move with God, what used to be a promise turns into a pickle. Did you just hear what I said? I'm talking about promises and pickles. That thing that used to be very promising and, and very, you know, it, it, you felt vibrant, you felt enthused about it, begins to turn into a pickle and into a bondage. You know, Bill Johnson recently said, at least I heard him for the very first time, say this, today's risk becomes tomorrow's comfort zone. The pastor of Bethel Church said that. And I begin to think about that. There's been times and seasons in my life where I walked into a promise and I thought that was the end there all. In other words, this is where exactly where God wanted me to be and I'm supposed to be here for the rest of my life. But that's not how God works at all. As a matter of fact, there are scriptures that talk about a God who's not a God of the past. He's the God of the future. And if you try to stay in something too long on where God was, you will end up frustrated in your life and you'll miss out on the new thing that he He's calling you to. In the scripture, it talks about we go from glory to glory. We go from faith to faith. We move on in our relationship with the Lord. We move on to the new things. In Isaiah 55, it talks about there's a new thing that's about to sprout forth. Shall you not know it? In other words, don't miss what God is about to do in your life by staying stuck in the old thing that he did in times past. And this was exactly the problem with all of the religious leaders back in the Old Testament, and even now in our moderate church, as I begin to study revival, as I begin to study awakenings in the church, um, I begin to see a pattern. Did you know that God always started with revival before a new movement was born? You know, I know we talk about, you know, uh, you know, being a Catholic and we see it as a really religious organization. But did you know that was birthed out of a revival? Like something really powerfully and impactful happened and that's how it started. It's the same thing when it comes to Methodist and, or, or different religions. They were all birthed in the heart of awakening and revival. But what happened is, is that people begin to turn God's movement into a monument and then they begin to miss God. Can I tell you right now, God is not a monument. And that's what most people do. We take what God did and we begin to build a, a, a golden cow out of it as, a, as if that is the end wherewithal. I'm not saying that God didn't move in many different religious tr uh, traditions and trends and movements, but here's the big question. What is God saying to the church now? What is God saying to you in this season of your life right now? Is he calling you to move out from among them? Is he calling you to shift careers? Is he call He's not telling you to move churches. I'm just kidding. What is God calling you to now in this season of your life? And what don't get so stuck in what God did in the past. What is the Holy Spirit sharing with your heart now? Are you frustrated? Are you in a position in your life where things aren't going the way that you intended them? Now, you, you, you have to be careful with this because sometimes God puts you in a difficult situation and he wants you to stay there. He wants to groom you in your character, in your conversation, in your conduct. But if you come to a place where you're hitting a ceiling, generally that's God's way of saying, you've been here too long. It's time to do a new thing in your life. And you have to have your spiritual senses exercised if you're going to understand when God is moving you out of one season into another. And what do I mean by have your spiritual senses exercised? 
One reason why I hung these banners up just a few weeks ago, and you'll have to forgive us because we're trying to create a new climate here. So it looks a little bit messy at first, but I think we're going to get it. That's only the fourth week that we've incorporated these banners into our services. And we just take a theme and for about five or 10 minutes, we pray over these specific themes. It's because you know what I'm seeing more and more is that prayerless lives are recipes for directionless lives. And so what I'm wanting to do, um, to be quite honest with you, is develop a culture of prayer. Because one of the ways that we develop our spirit, man, our spiritual senses, is praying to God. And it's not just talking to God, it's tarrying and waiting. These are ways that we cultivate our ability to hear what God is saying in this season of our lives for the church, for the nation, for your family, for your future, for your career, and everything that God would have you to walk in. Number two, don't be afraid to move forward. My point is fear forward. Everybody say fear forward. Now, here's what I mean by that. That's just a, a nice little cutting edge way of saying that they, when the children of Israel had Moses step up when they were in bondage because God began to raise up Moses when God was getting them, preparing them to move. And that's a whole nother point, that while God was calling them out, God was already raising up Moses, a deliverer, to deliver them into their next season, right? And so God is working on the heart of Moses. Moses delivers them. And we know the story. God sent the 10 plagues, the locusts and the, and the flies and all of these things to Egypt. He sent, the, he sent all the plagues. And then Pharaoh's son, firstborn son dies. And then they're beginning to leave Egypt. But here's what happens. The Egyptians begin to regret that they let the children of Israel go as they made their way to the Red Sea. But here was the problem. They get to the Red Sea and the sea is in their way. They have no boats. They have no floaties. They don't have a raft. They don't have a canoe. They don't have a paddleboard. They have no resources to get themselves across the Red Sea. And so they're faced with uh, being afraid of moving forward because they know they're too far now to go back while at the same time they're afraid to walk into the new thing that God has for them. Have you ever had a promise of God in your life where you are afraid to move forward, where you know you're too, too safe to go back and hang out with people that you shouldn't? You're too far along to go back to the things that you shouldn't go back to, but at the same time, you're afraid to move forward because you don't know exactly what God's going to do in this next season. Am I the only one who's ever felt that way? And so here's what, here's what the children of Israel say to Moses in Exodus chapter 14, verse 11. And they said unto Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? This is as they're standing at the Red Sea. Is this not the word that we did tell thee in Egypt? In other words, didn't we say this was going to happen? Saying, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For if it had not would it have not been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness? In other words, I would have rather stayed in my past, but here's the problem. When God is in the middle of shifting you into a greater dimension, the enemy will always begin to tell you that your past is going to be greater than your future. Did you just hear what I said? God, God, God always talks faith, but the enemy always talks fear. 
This is how I've learned to develop my spiritual hearing in the Lord. This is how I begin to discern God's will versus the enemy's will. Because when you're about to walk into a powerfully new season where God is about to promote you and do some new things in your life, there's that old familiar voice of the stranger. Don't go any further forward. You need to stay exactly where you are because God's not going to provide for you. God, everything that God did in your life that was great is in the past. It's not moving forward. And this is how I've discerned God's will in my life because God will always speak through a spirit of faith and the enemy will always speak fear into your life to captivate you, to keep you from moving forward in your life. And the Lord is more active in your future. And this is what you have to know. The Lord is more active in your future than he is in your past. And if you are going to be concerned about missing God by moving forward, somebody say moving forward. If you're going to be concerned about missing him going forward, simply don't be afraid to step out. Don't be afraid to step forward and move forward into the things of God. You have to be, and what I'm trying to say is, you have to be more afraid of staying stuck in where you are than the, than the cost of going forward. Because there is a cost in moving forward. And listen, if they would have, if they would have missed out, if they would have gone back to Egypt, they would have lost many different family members. They would have lost out on many different opportunities. But can I tell you what would have been the, would have, what would have been the greatest tragedy? Is they would have missed out on the greatest miracles. They would have missed out on the greatest miracle of moving forward because if they had not walked up to the Red Sea, God would have never parted it. They got to see the greatest things in their lives due to stepping out of their fear into a realm of faith. And this is the, this is the thing, this is the life I love about faith. Yes, is it, is, it, is it fearful to sometimes step out and trust God with something new? Absolutely. But can I tell you what I fear more? Not seeing God's hand at work in my life. And we have to be afraid of not seeing God's hand at work in our life. When I think about Benjamin and Rebecca uh, stepping out, am I, am, I, am I concerned about the things that they're going to face? Sure, but can I tell you what I'm more concerned about? You staying here and missing out on what God has for you. And when you decide to step up literally to the Red Sea, going to Israel, you better get prepared for God to send a Moses, to send a burning bush, to put down his rod and to begin to part the Red Sea, and make ways where there seemed to be no way because that's how God operates. He operates in the realm of faith, never fear. So if you don't want to see God alive and active in your life, do yourself a favor. Stay still. Don't trust God. Never take risk. But if you want to see red seas parted, if you want to see manna from heaven, if you want to see quail given from heaven, step out into a realm where your resources cannot meet the demand of what you're facing and watch God's hand go to work in your life in powerful, miraculous ways. Because we serve a God of miracles. And when we step into the faith realm, it, it warrants something from God. It pulls on heaven to move and act on our behalf. Because we don't, God will not move where he is not needed. He's only, he only moves where there is a demand put on him. Why do we see God working in some ministries and not in others? Why do we see great moves of God, let's say in Africa? Why do we see dead babies coming back to life or someone's blind eye being opened and where they can see? And we're, not, we're seeing no more than headaches and backaches uh, being healed in America. Can I tell you why? The demand that's put on God through their faith. 
So what, what are you experiencing in your life today? Are you experiencing God's miracle working hand? If the answer is no, here's my biggest question. When is the last time that you've put yourself out there in a position where it forced God's hand to move in miraculous ways? When is the last time that we have stepped out and trusted God to do something great and big in our lives? Or do we simply stay in our comfort zone? Do we stay in our own Egypt, staying in our own bondages? And they, they didn't even really feel like it was bondage. They just felt safe. And God is calling us out onto the waters to step out onto the waters to do something great. But if we're going to see great things, we have to take great risks. Look at somebody right now and say, take a risk. Number three, I want to talk about the cleansing power of a pickle. Sounds funny, doesn't it? The cleansing power of a pickle, not pickle juice. Although that does have cleansing agents and it is made of vinegar. I'm talking about a pickle. Now I want you to think about this. As the enemy, Egypt, all the Egyptian soldiers, excuse me, Pharaoh and his army is chasing Egypt because they want to kill all the Israelites and then enslave them again in Egypt to build bricks for Pharaoh. But listen to this. God allowed the enemy to get close to them to push them into their promise. Did you just hear what I said? Talking about the cleansing power of the pickle. Now watch this. So when they get to the edge of the Red Sea, God finally, as Moses puts his rod down, he parts the Red Sea. And the children of Israel are afraid to go in to the water on the dry ground and walk through. But here was God's ultimate plan is to get the enemy so close to them, their difficulty, their potential death, so close to them and lure their enemy into the middle of that ocean, not to kill the Egyptians. He just wanted to allow them to get close so that they can use their faith. But God used the parting of this Red Sea to eliminate the enemy. Did you just hear what I said? I'm talking about the cleansing agent of this pickle. Yes, it's a pickle. Yes, they're in the middle of something that is potentially deadly and can harm them. So the Lord allows the Israel, the, excuse me, Egypt to get so close to them, but when the children of Israel walk in, the, the waters begin to close up behind them. Did you know that historians have recently found chariots at the bottom of the Red Sea? They're finding all these fragments, and I mean, we're talking thousands of years old, finding this at the bottom of the Red Sea, fragments and particles. And this was not all about the children of Israel just getting to their promise. It was about getting the bondage off of their back that haunted them from their past. And God will oftentimes stick you in situations not to kill you, but to get the things and rid the things that are bothering you and keeping you in bondage in your life. I'm talking about the cleansing power of a pickle. We often think, God, you're killing me. Has anybody ever felt like that? Lord, why do you allow all these things to continue to happen to me? Why do I continue to find myself in difficult situations? Lord, I, I, I always seem to have something going on. If it's not one thing, it's another. Has anybody ever felt that way? When oftentimes God is allowing you to be put in these difficult Red Sea, crossing the Red Sea moments, not because of you, because he has a promise for you, but to rid you of the things that are going to hinder you from reaching your promised land. 
I don't know what that looks like for you, whatever your enemy is. It could be a certain bondage in your life. It could be a thinking process that you have. It could be a toxic relationship that you're encountering right now. And God will allow you to walk through the Red Sea to close up the enemy and drown your enemy in front of you until the Bible says that until our enemies are made our footstool. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? And sometimes that enemy is ourself. Oh, y'all aren't talking to me. I've seen some eyebrows get raised for just a moment. I know that I have been my own worst enemy and my own worst critic at times. And I've seen God in those moments of my life where I've had my own self-destructive habits, poor habits, selfish uh, ambitions, and things that I wanted that I shouldn't have wanted. God put me in these pickles, these Red Sea moments, not to drown me, but to wash me and cleanse me of not even my enemy, but the enemy that was in me, which was me. Can somebody say amen to that? And so I started wondering this. I wonder why the Lord allowed the Red Sea to be called the Red Sea. Have you ever thought about that, Benjamin? I thought about communion this morning. I mean, the blood is a representation of red, right? We talked about the blood of Jesus purifying. You were kind of alluding to that when we were taking communion. I wonder if the Red Sea was being used as a cleansing agent in their life representing the blood of Jesus. Come on, y'all ain't saying nothing in here. I'm talking about they were going through the Red Sea, something that seemed difficult, but God was just bringing them to a place where they would be washed in the precious blood of Jesus. Because the Bible says until we are washed, and I did a wedding the other day, um, and I was talking about in order for two objects to stick together, those objects have to be first to be cleansed and cleaned. Then the glue will hold ultimately. If our relationship with God and others is going to hold, we have to be cleansed first by the blood of Jesus Christ. And God will allow you to go through a difficult season, a difficult valley in your life to cleanse you so that he can connect with you at a greater level. Because the Bible talks about who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord except he who has clean hands and a pure heart. So that valley that you're going through, that pickle that you're finding yourself in, it could be relational, it could be marital, it could be financial, it could be a health problem. Whatever that pickle is, I want you to begin to look at it as God's way of cleansing you and purifying you so that he can bring you closer to himself. And you want me to validate that with scripture because... I was reading, I was thinking, this is, the, this is the point I had come up with this morning about this Red Sea representing the blood of Christ, symbolisms, right? I begin to read in Micah chapter 7, verse 19, and it says this, watch this. You'll stamp out all of our wrongdoing. You'll sink our sins to the bottom of the ocean. So as you're going through that valley, that's Micah chapter 7, verse 19, that's found in the Message Bible. So as we're walking through that valley, God is wanting, like he, drowned, like he drowned the Egyptian soldiers going after the Israelites, God's chosen people, his chosen people. He was actually drowning their sins in the sea of forgetfulness, the thing that held them back, the thing that held them from moving forward in their relationship with God. And lastly, and the worship team can come up when they have a moment as I close. I want to quickly touch on this um, point 
on how we get pickled into a promise. Everybody say pickled into a promise. If the children of Israel would have been treated fairly, listen to this, I want you to listen to this. If they would have been treated fairly while in Egypt, like they did when Joseph was alive. How many remember that was Joseph's family? That's how they ended up there. Joseph brought them there. If they would have continued to be treated fairly and nicely and loved and provided for, they would have never made it to their ultimate promised land. There are certain people that treat you wrong in your life. It could be a spouse. It could be um, a boss. It could be a friend. It could be a family member. It could be somebody that you've known for a really, really long time. I don't know what it is. It could be a circumstance that doesn't seem to be treating you right. If God always allowed our lives to be at ease, to, for us to be in, in comfort and to experience pleasure, we would never be motivated to move into the next thing that he has for us. We would stay in the same position. We would never move. But can I encourage you that God will use circumstances to pickle you into a promise? How many remember that game pickle that I was telling you about the other day? It's where two people have one person in the middle and they were throwing the ball overhead to try to, and they're, whoever gets close to the individual in the middle, it's, it's up to them to tag them. And if you tag them, they're out. Well, God uses us in our lives. We're that person in the middle. Well, God is kind of chasing us with that ball and pushing us forward, not because he's trying to hurt us, not because he's trying to get us out of his will, but trying to get us in the middle, in the center of his will. Somebody say pickled into the promise. He pushes us into the promise. He pushes us in the direction that we need him to. And can I tell you what comfort is in the kingdom of God as I close? Comfortable situations. I'm not saying we shouldn't have seasons of comfort and peace because God promises peace. The Bible says that whoever keeps his mind on Jesus, he would be kept in perfect peace. While at the same time, when we're at peace for too long, it creates laziness. And comfortness in the kingdom creates a spiritual death. There are times in our lives, even I know this, having a little bit of a green thumb, I don't have an extremely big green thumb like my mom does, simply means do you like to you know, um, work in the yard and cut plants and grow tomatoes and things of that nature. As it relates to agriculture, if you leave things unattended too long, you get vines. It'll choke out the progress of the fruits. It'll enable it to, it will cause it, not, it will not allow it to be able to bear the fruit that, that, that nature is wanting to implement. It's the same things in our lives. If we leave things unattended too long, if we get comfortable, if God allows us to remain comfortable for too long, we allow the weeds of this life to choke us out and stifle us, and there will be very little to no growth in our lives. Is this okay? I'm kind of more teaching this morning than anything. And God has been speaking to me deeply about this, about moving forward, because I meet so many different people who are stuck in certain seasons of their lives, who are frustrated, who are wanting to move forward, who are thinking it's the enemy that's attacking their lives, when it's actually the Lord prodding you, moving you forward into the next thing that he's wanting you to walk in. And God is wanting to give more and more direction in this season of our lives. And can I tell you, there's three primary ways he speaks. Three primary ways. Somebody say three. 
He speaks primarily through his word. Say his word. This week I was faced with um, a decision that would affect everything in my personal life. And I wish I could tell you that I run to the word of God every day, which I do, but looking for direction for that specific matter. And this was a matter that I have never seen in the word of God. In other words, I was like, Lord, I'm reading for wisdom, but there's nothing really in the word of God that applies to my situation. Do you, does anybody know what I mean by that? Have you ever been like facing something, but you're like, it doesn't, there's nothing in the word that really applies to this specific thing because it's so out in the left field, but it affects your whole life. Well, I sat down for the first time and I really needed the Lord's direction on this. And I opened the word of God. And I, I don't normally recommend this, but I just opened it. And I said, Lord, I need to hear from you regarding this matter. As I began to read, it began to speak to the, to the T, the matter that I was facing last week. I began to weep because I was watching the Lord give me direction. I had to repent before the Lord. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. Because in my mind, as I opened it, I'm like, nothing applies to this situation in my life, but here I go, Lord. I'm doing this in obedience to your word because in my devotion, it was saying, seek the Lord through his word because he always give direction through that. So I made it up in my mind. I'm going to read before the end of the day, seeking your wisdom in this matter. And the Lord gave me wisdom. He also speaks to impressions, strong impressions in your spirit. You just know that you know that you know that it's the Lord. And then he speaks through circumstances when we have a hard time reading and listening. Number one and number two doesn't sound like it applies to being pickled into the promise, but I really was wanting to get to number three because when we, don't, when we refuse to read and spend time in his word, when we refuse to spend time in prayer and hear his voice, when we are not spiritually dyed in, dialed in in our spirit where we really can't hear him, guess what he speaks through? Pickles. That is God's last resort. He always wants to speak and give you direction to the word. He always. It's his instruction manual. But when we allow it to get dusty, when we don't read his word, when we don't seek him through his word, he'll try to speak to our spirit. It's time to move. Time to do this. Don't go that way. Don't take that job. Take this one. Don't marry this person. Marry that one. If you're already married, you need to seek him somewhere else and how to get love through you to her or him. First Corinthians. But when we don't listen, when we don't read, he will speak through pickles in our lives, through circumstances, troubles, trials, sometimes tribulations. He's not the author of confusion. He doesn't do it to confuse you. He does it to conform you. Do you remember the disciples? As I close, can you stand up? Do you remember the disciples? I'm going to prove it scripturally right now. Was this okay, guys? I know I was a little on the soft side today. It's because a few weeks, I had a few weeks where I was kind of driving the, the whip and getting us moving forward into what I believe that God was calling us into. So I felt you guys needed an, encour you needed an encouraging word. Talking about pickles pushing us into the promise. Now listen to this. The, the disciples are called by Jesus. He says, hey, listen, I want you to go out. I want you to, I want you to launch out, and I'm going to meet you on the other side. I'm going to the mountain to pray. I'm going to seek my Father's face. 
the disciples reluctantly get in the boat and they make their way across Galilee. But the only problem is it's in the middle of the night and Jesus still had not come. And guess what the Lord sends? A pickle, a storm. And they're crying out for fear. And Jesus shows up like a ghost on the water. And if you continue to read the scripture, this scripture has dumbfounded me for, for, forever. I still don't really get it. They're crying out for fear. The boat is filling with water. Jesus looks like a ghost. He ends up stepping on the boat. The winds calm down. And it says immediately, I mean, it goes right into the verse. It says immediately they were, they were where they needed to go. In other words, their boat just shows up on land supernaturally. What am I trying to say? Is they were pickled into a promise. That difficult storm, that wind, that trial, that heartache, that pain, whatever that was, was a wind from God to push them to where they were supposed to be. And so I wanna encourage you today that whatever it is that's blowing in your life that seems like it's gonna destroy you and cause you to sink, whatever uncertainty, whatever difficulty it is that you're facing, I wanna tell you today from the Spirit of the Lord that that difficult situation is pushing you into your promise, pushing you towards Jesus. God will never allow us to have a life whereby we don't need Him or where we don't rely on Him but he will allow things that will drive us to our knees. He will allow difficult situations to draw us to himself. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.